back again. What are we talking about today? Uh, today we're talking about what are I guess we're talking. How do we categorize this? Seaweed, kelp. Uh, I guess we'll learn when we talk to Logan here. Excellent. Do you ever wonder where your food comes from? That's what got us started on this adventure. In each episode, we ask experts to weigh in on the food topics that matter to you, from growers to producers to chefs. And I challenge John, Darren, and you to learn more about your food and the stories behind it. From our hub on Vancouver Island in the beautiful Comox Valley, join us as we explore our edible valley. Darren, another episode of the Edible Valley. Yeah, it feels a little weird. Uh, Will isn't here from a bit of a clerical error of mine. That's um, all right. We'll do and, and, and get this going quite well. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting, right? He's only been part of it for about 10, 15 episodes, but he's already made such a mark on it. It feels weird oh, not yeah, doing no. it with him. We got to bring that energy level up today. <laughs> all right. Uh, so with us today, we've got Logan. Logan Zeinert. Yeah. Zeinert? Zeinert? Zeinert. Sign it. How are you doing, Logan? I'm great. Great. Yeah. And uh, you come to us with a body of knowledge of kelp and seaweed and potentially food applications thereof. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say a body of knowledge, more <laughs> like a couple of legs, but um, yeah, great. Yeah. Like I've kind of just been in the aquaculture world for a few years now. Right. And uh, seaweed is one of the things that we're looking at at uh, North Island College, and they've been looking at it for a little while before I've started there. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, Great. It, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, and that's sort of what we wanted to talk about is uh, how does this relate to food? How is food going to factor in in the future, or how is seaweed kelp aquaculture, how is that going to factor into our food later on down the road, or... Yeah. Yeah. No, this is uh, super exciting for me because this is something that I don't have a firm grasp of, even though I've grown up in this area and I've, I've cooked with seaweed uh, numerous times. It's still something that I'm still experimenting with and I'm still trying to find my niche market and how I can actually really do some amazing things with it. So picking your brain and learning a little (laughs) bit today could be a lot of, it's a lot of fun for me. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I guess we'll, start at the start of yeah. what happens when you're actually trying to like farm seaweed or yeah that seaweed. sounds great How's yeah that sound? yeah, yeah that sounds perfect let's go from how do we get this onto the plate <laughs> yeah absolutely um so around the world uh it's a pretty common method to just put a line in the water um mostly done with horizontal lines they basically float them three or four meters underneath the water um, those lines are seeded with uh, a spool of kelp oh. and they just wrap that line around the rope and then that rope basically just sits there for you know six months uh, in BC we'll put those lines in around November December time right and then we'll be pulling those lines out around April generally around April oh, yeah. and that allows a good amount of time for growth so you get a nice long nice looking piece of seaweed Mm -hmm. um and uh it also prevents fouling growth on it so you get a nice clean piece of seaweed too oh yeah so uh when you know you go out you take your boat out 
every now and then you'll be periodically checking it to make sure nothing you know out of the ordinary has happened uh, but around that April time in BC you'll have basically your boat going alongside these lines and you'll have a winch that line will go over the winch and you're just basically slicing off kelp really and uh, putting it in a tote and bring it back for processing interesting and then yeah. so when you're processing it what you're just sort of cleaning it or yes. portioning it or yeah. yeah so there's a couple of different methods i guess um i think the most common one around the world is it's cut off those lines and then it's just hung up to dry right so right it, often it's just hung outside um or people will do it kind of in like a greenhouse or just like a big shed right uh and they'll just leave it for 24 48 hours to dry right. and there's like a relative humidity that they're looking at getting it down to right and then that way it stores really well right um the other options are like a more fresh approach mm -hmm. so it's harvested off those lines it's bought back to like a processing facility and for something like nori it's kind of like swirled around in a vat and then uh like shaped dried and you get your nori squares right mm -hmm. but for something fresh uh quite often they'll take those fresh kelp blades and they'll blanch them oh yeah and they go from like that kind of light browny kind of like kind of like the tea color like yes. I have right here in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they'll go from like that tea color to a nice light green from that blanching. And that's like that traditional. Like, oh, really? So color. it gets to that vibrant green from the blanching. Yeah. Like a oh, lot yeah. of the kelps that come out of the water are like that um, like light kind of tea brown color. Right. Um, I mean, like it doesn't look bad, but mm -hmm. that light green is kind of more appealing. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah like uh, I, I have some wakame here or the you know with these for wakame and same thing it's blows me away how this relatively dark and brown when you make wakame salad it's vibrant green you know yeah. yeah interesting but that's where i come at it from is that i had a i used to have a sushi food truck way back when and um yeah there's so many things that japanese have always been using seaweed for i mean you know, aside from nori, which is key in a lot of what I was doing, uh, so is kombu because I was making my own dashi all the time. And it's literally one of three ingredients or one of two ingredients that goes into dashi is kombu and bonito flakes, really. I like yeah. to add shiitakes, but that's just my preference. Yeah. But yeah, um, so they seem to have harnessed it a long time ago because that's deep in their culture, all that food. And we're just, we're surrounded by the same seaweed, but haven't really taken note of it. You know? Yeah, and even here there's like some traditional use, right. but uh, it's very minimal compared to like what the Asian countries would mm. be using it for. And like their harvest of seaweed is huge and places like Canada or Australia mm -hmm. are only kind of just getting in the groove of it and just it's sort becoming of like a, a real thing. Yeah. You know? um, well, is, yeah. I mean, is there health benefit or are there, are there benefits to it? Like, yeah. There must, there, I would think that there would have to be. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like farming, you're putting something in the water and you're putting nothing else in the water. You're basically just putting it there and it grows. It's That's, like magic. Right. So compared to, you know, I guess the big one is fish farming where you're putting additives in the water. Right. With even just like feeding your fish, you're, you're adding right. something to the water. Which the, includes labor. Yeah. End product and yeah. Yeah. So for this, your labor is way less, but also you're just not adding any excess 
right thing to the water you're just leaving it there to grow so right in terms of the environmental impacts it's great when you harvest it and uh, in terms of like the nutritional benefits yeah it's also really really good like it has a ton of micronutrients oh really and Mm. yeah and it's just like a fantastic end product right and so would you liken it and i'm not trying to put words in your mouth um but would you liken it to maybe other greens that we grow like uh, you know, traditional vegetables. Grow. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I'm thinking greens. I'm thinking like salads. I'm thinking you know leafy greens. But uh, like, would you use it the same way? Would you? Would, yeah. Would you make salads of it? Which I think that probably because of its hardiness, because of you know, it's got a bit of a like it, from John's perspective as a chef that's exploring. I would think that you could also use it in hotter dishes. You know what I mean? It's going to hold up. It's not going to break down. Like I think it all depends on how you're using it. That's a a big thing. And there's so many varieties of seafood, seaweed out there that, uh, you know, like it's not like one, there's one, one weed that does it all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's like the kind of the cool thing. Like there are a few that are very, very similar. So I know Mm -hmm. there's some people in Maine doing, um, some harvest and they have two different species they harvest. And, uh, I was just watching a, a, a YouTube video the other day and the lady was like, yeah, they just taste the same, but we use this for this and this for this. Oh yeah. And so oh, it's like two different uses for the two, same thing. Right. Right. Cool thing about it is in addition to like the use that you guys might have, there's some like little fringe uses as well. Right. Um, so you might not necessarily use it for food, but you can say like ferment it. And people have made beer and spirits out of it. What? Um, I had uh, no idea. Yeah, like I think the uh, the brewery in Tofino has like um, a kelp stout or had a kelp yeah. stout. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh no, I was thinking of an oyster one down in at Spinnakers, yeah. but yeah, yeah, like it's yeah. amazing though. I think it was Tofino, but uh, like, anyway, I made a cool. I made a bull kelp. Um, Ice cream. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah that John was. Used to oh, you did an ice cream. Yeah. yeah. So I, I used to own Blue Spruce ice cream, and so that was the one I would bring in some some dried dried kelp, bull kelp, and then I would just add it to a caramel ice cream, and just yeah. by steeping it in the sugar and, and caramelizing a little bit. Yeah, it was really it was really yeah. it was interesting. It was beautiful. Like it was really tasty, but it did have that little bit of a hint of seafood in the background yeah which some people were like this is amazing and other people's were i think maybe <laughs> just because they said seaweed right, and i yeah. think that's a bit of a maybe you can help you know, clear actually, that up because people fear yeah, there's, seaweed there's for some way also i remember growing up and people would like there was this big mythical fact that was like do you know that there's seaweed in ice cream and i think that that was because they were pulling something from i want to say carrageenan but or carrageenan yeah, but that's exactly what is it, is. it? yeah they yeah. were getting and they were getting the extract from seaweed and yep. so people were making that Oh, it's in sea or seaweeds in ice cream. But yeah. yeah, it's used for, yeah, like there's so many side products. It's used for like that as well. Yeah. So you and have I, like the food and beverage industry, but right. then you have like the kind of, um, I don't even know what, what you would call it, but it's like the Karangian mm-hmm. and like other stuff that they use for like pharmaceuticals and like cosmetics. Right. They pull it all out of the sea. Because it's a bit of a binding agent, right? Like, or, yeah. or it keeps things, it, it's the holding agent that it holds that they get from it. Um, yeah. yeah. And my brother, uh, who's, and his partner, they're master gardeners. They just have the most impeccable garden. And one of the things he does every year seaweeds his garden at the end of the year oh, okay yeah, yeah. turns a lot of seaweed into it at yeah. the very end of the year it's and supposed be, to be really good for it right? yeah it's great yeah. compost he said it's just fantastic it helps everything grow so much yeah so yeah there's amazing all these other extra uses for it yeah. um 
yeah, I, I'm I'm really curious to see uh, if there's any current efforts. Like, it, are you seeing it in BC? Are things starting to wake up a bit? Are yeah, things starting so to really embrace? Absolutely. The farms are definitely starting to wake up. So um, the farming side, people have pretty down-packed. Oh, yeah. um, you know, like the methodology is there. Um, the permitting applications from DFO are there. So you can go out and get, you know, an area that you would want to do and set it up and harvest it. Mm-hmm. I think the part where BC is lacking a bit here is the uh, processing oh, yeah. um, and post-harvest kind of stuff. So what do you do with it after you've harvested? Mm-hmm. Do you dry it? Do you wash it? Do you blanch it? Uh, where right. do you do that? How right. close is that to the farms? Quite a lot of them are on the North Island. So where do you set up a place like this? Right. And that's where a lot of the research right now is looking at. Yeah. Um, where do you do this? How do you do it? What's the best way? Do you do it on a boat? Do you set up like right. something else? Do you have, you know, like some kind of mobile processing unit? Oh yeah. That do you make... dry them on site? Yeah. Um, so imagine you're like way up in, you know, like central coast having, um, really great success. Do you have to set up like a wharf where you can dry it? Right. How long can you store it for? How do you get it back? You know, like that's a long way. Yeah, there's a lot of logistics. Well, that's that's a big question for me. Do you know what the shelf life on fresh seaweed is? Or is that like... Yeah, I think the stuff that we have right now is like, if you want to use it like straight off the line with no processing, it's pretty short. Like, I I don't think it's much more than 48 hours. Really? You know, like, I, I definitely could be wrong, but... I seem to remember a number like that <laughs> somehow. So, wow. yeah. And, um, and it's, I might be deviating a bit here. Uh, as John touched on before, there's, there's not just one seaweed. There's multiple types. What, what seems to be growing best or is best harvested in BC? Yeah, I think most people are looking at um, sugar kelp. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I think is called Saccharina. I always get them mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> like those Latin names. Yeah. Um, the ones that we have worked with are Saccharina and um, Alaria. Okay. Those are the two species that we work with around, uh, quite a bit at North Island College. Um, but I think the bull kelp is another species. Oh, yeah. um, and so for the layman, wrong. bull kelp is the one that's got the bulbous end yeah and the long tail yeah right and yeah. then uh the others are the more the leafy green that you're talking about um they're both like still long and like that laminate kind of like oh shape. yeah um, oh like the, the one that's almost like a sheet yeah right. yeah so that's the saccharina okay and then the alaria has like a line down the middle it's alaria marginata that's the easiest way to remember it Right, yeah. so it's almost like a leaf where it's got that, that yeah, central... Yeah, like, kind of like that central Oh, yeah, thing. okay. Yeah, I have to thank Cosmo for giving me a tip on how to remember <laughs> that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are probably the three biggest ones. There are lots and lots of other different right. species that are around here that have potential. Right. Um, so there are like some of those smaller leafier ones right. um, that have potential, but I don't, don't think anyone's really explored those yet. Right, and so if let's say the average listener right now is now thinking, Oh, look at the wonderful properties of seaweed. And they're down at the beach, uh, encourage or discourage them from harvesting a little off the beach. Um, I mean, if you find a piece that looks really nice and fresh and you can tell what species it is, 
Right. I would encourage you to have a nibble on some sugar kelp. Right. But otherwise, you probably should not. probably just use it for your garden because it right. doesn't have a shelf life. So <laughs> right. if it's been sitting there for a day... So that, that yeah. big pile that's been sitting on the, the <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Crabs are running around. Can't it. imagine that. It would <laughs> yeah. be that no. tasty. No, you know, no. You might yeah. put yourself off for a while. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. just, just to make sure that people aren't running down and, uh, you know, filling their yeah, pockets. Yeah, I think if you know what you're looking for and you can, like, go down to, you know, like, your local tide pool yeah. and uh, find a couple of species of kelp and yeah. you can probably you know like take it and yeah you know give it a shot do you know of any are there any um sort of user-friendly resources that somebody could find online I know, uh, I didn't i'm not forewarn hugely that, familiar yeah. with uh, like a lot of the like cooking resources and stuff like that um especially for the species that we have around here mm-hmm. um but you know like there are like something similar to like a kelp chip or like something similar to a nori is really easy to make. And there are a couple of species around here. Top of my head, I know it starts with a P, but it's like a similar genus to what you would find that they make nori with over in Asia. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, like same genus, just a different species. So very, very similar. Um, And basically all you're doing is like harvesting it, taking it home, cleaning it up with some water, putting mm. a little bit of oil on it, and mm. then just baking it in the oven. Like, like sort of like, like how people make kale chips or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. So well, I'm, really I'm going to try that out. Now, yeah. it, I, I love trying. I love experimenting. So I'm going to try now, that out Now, I'm sure. just wondering, do you need a, a, a fishing license or anything to harvest? Right. Seaweed you mentioned DFO, DC? Department of Fisheries and Oceans. I know. Yeah. This is, you're probably out of your field. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, you're the scientist. You're not the if, you're, if you're doing like an actual farm, I know you definitely do. Yes. Right. Um, if you're doing like local harvest, uh, I don't know. I don't want to get anyone in that trouble. Would, right. That would, would be something I would say that we should check. Yeah. yeah. Google yeah. that one. And DFO, can I pick seaweed? Yeah. Can well, I take this off the beach? <laughs> Yeah. 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 Uh, and I've I've been I've been lucky in my my career to to experiment with with seaweed over a bunch of times and I did the shellfish festival. I did a yeah. actually, I've done it a couple times as the So how have you kelp. found using it? Well, I, I find it's yeah, the lifespan is is difficult because you have to bring it in and if you bring it in you either have to dry it right away or you have to um definitely st- you know blanch it mm-hmm. and then then it gives you a little bit more life um i've done really well with bringing in and doing lots of chutneys so like bull kelp oh, yeah. chutney so cool. dicing up the the fronds and and actually yeah. taking the whole bulb and mixing that down and cooking it because it's pretty fibrous so but a, a good long cook it moistens it up yeah and it goes beautifully with ha- a nice nice seared halibut so um but yeah you know and then doing you know broths are always a Right, a beautiful because just releasing some of those flavors into yeah. it, especially from dried, dried seaweed, is always beautiful. Like yeah, that's a, yeah. I'm like thinking now. I'm like, why am I not doing that at work right now? Is that <laughs> not on the menu? Like, yeah, uh, but like I say, when with everything that I did with Japanese cooking or Japanese food, uh, dashi. I mean, it's it's more than just um, you know, I, it's more than just useful in soup. I mm. do it like. As a poaching liquid uh, for fish and agadashi is one of my kids' favorites where, you know, tofu and in, in literally in that dashi broth. But like I use kombu in in so much of what I do for Japanese mm-hmm. cooking. I think we're using it also in a pea puree, actually. Oh, yeah. A little, okay. little seaweed in the in our pea puree just to give it yeah. that, add that little bit of saltiness and, and that. Uh, Interesting. 
little scene yeah, yeah I, so I'm, I, I'm when when this episode started to form I got really excited to I realized that you know we're on the horizon or it's on the horizon where we're going to start embracing uh, using different seaweeds and uh, I'm I'm really excited to see where things go so yeah. what what's your journey now? Where where do you go with well, this? Well, I was going to say where where how what got you into this journey? Mm-hmm. What got you into <laughs> into seaweeds? Um, I mean, I've always kind of been interested in aquaculture ever since I did my undergraduate degree. Um, something about the way that my prof talked about it, like really kind of like just started springing ideas into my head of like what people can do and. You know, so I've always been interested in that kind of stuff. And then I ended up doing my master's in Newfoundland uh, on sustainable aquaculture. Oh, yeah. I actually worked with crabs, uh, which is another hilarious story. (laughs) But uh, I mean, like I did so much reading on seaweeds because these crabs were herbivorous that like, you know, like I kind of got interested in that. And then I started this job at North Island College. And a whole lot of it is to do with seaweed. Right. Now I'm kind of like in the seaweed world right. and actually finding out that it's, it is actually like really cool what people are doing around here and the research that's going on and how it's developing around here. It's definitely one of the more emerging products from around here. Right. So it's kind of cool that, you know, I think it, it is kind of well-timed. Right. Um, I think it's definitely something that is coming up, up and coming. Right. So where do you go from here? Like what's what or is that remains to be seen? Oh, it kind of remains to be seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I, I think the research is really cool and I'm excited to see the research projects that we have come up in the next year or so to do with this. And I think they are going to focus more on that processing part. Right. That uh, I mentioned earlier. But, you know, like all of that is super exciting to see what people are going to do with that end product. Right. So, like. I'd love to see some more ice creams. <laughs> well, some it sounds yeah, it sounds spirits, it sounds like, like if we get that processing solved, the issue and the logistics of that, then it seems like all of a sudden the products can be much more abundant and abundantly available to people of the coast and and on the island. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other cool thing is that like uh, I think there was some kind of statistic that like over ninety percent of seaweed products are imported into North America. Wow. So there's like a huge market for it if you wanted to do something with it in BC. Right. And so I think you'll start to see more yeah. kind of North American made seaweed products. Wow. It's yeah. crazy too if you think about how how pristine our waters are here. Like we've mm-hmm. got some of yeah. the cleanest waters in the world for ocean water. So it's right. like we're very lucky to have what we have out here. And yeah. so we're not harvesting that in something that's renewable and... Yeah, and Low it, it is one of the most renewable kind of things that you could farm in the ocean. Right. It's just such a good plus, you know? Right. It's almost like salt where it's just like, well, there's an endless amount. You just have to put it out to dry. Well, and this and is... Have salt. Yeah, well, this is the one I'm also is like, and I may be wrong, but like seaweeds are one of the fastest growing plants on the planet. If, yeah. If I remember yeah. correctly, like bulk help grows like a foot a day or something. Yeah, ridiculous. sometimes in like peak season, they're absolutely ridiculous. You get wow. growth out of them. Yeah, well, just from a feeding the the hungry kind of standpoint, there's a sl- like solutions right there. Fastest yeah. growing crops. Yeah, and you know it it helps protect the ocean too. Like the smaller creatures in there, it gives them a place to hide and. Right. Yeah, that's the other cool thing that we haven't really touched on yet yeah. is like it's being used a lot for restoration. 
Really? So there are some cool projects where people are putting it like in front of watersheds. So it gives habitat for juvenile salmon oh. and things like that. Yeah. And yeah. there used to be a lot more kelp, but those habitats have like degraded. Right. Um, so now using it for restoration and, you know, like um, mitigation efforts Interesting. Is, is a whole nother realm. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there are some cool things there. Interesting. That yeah, I wonder if that's what's going on. I know with Couscous Sim, which is just off, just out front of uh, our neck of the woods, um, which is a restoration project designed for the salmon. I see that they're building really, they're trying to build very natural salmon ladders just in that estuary. Yeah. Or not maybe not a salmon ladder, but lots of little uh, nooks and crannies, like trying to bring back that. I wonder if that's factors in there too. Well, they're taking down the killing wall, as they call it. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from the old mill, the, the sheet of steel that uh, yeah. sort of protects that or guards that area from yeah. opening up. But, yeah. 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 I think some of the other cool things that they're using it for is, like I said, the mitigation side. Right. And I think we've got a couple of um, little bits and pieces on the North Island College website. And uh, we've done a few things with, um, you know, like putting it down in vertical lines to mm -hmm. create habitat where there used to be kelp forests. Oh, um, kelp forests. Yeah, just like big rounds of like where kelp used to grow. Interesting. I would never, I would have and, never thought uh, that that's a term. Yeah, forests so of kelp. That's forest interesting. Forests of kelp, um, and like for instance, like an urchin front will just come and destroy that whole thing. It's basically just a line of urchins that eats everything in front of it. Oh wow! So then we've, you know, been working on measures to, you know, it's reintroduce. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, like it's very small scale. We yeah. don't do like you know. 10 hectares right <laughs> doing like a few lines to see if in that area it works right right yeah. amazing which is pretty cool yeah there's a whole other world down there i didn't even really consider i mean most of us yeah. forget that whole other world down <laughs> yeah. there you know yeah. especially from an agriculture side of it like um how do we best use our oceans yeah, yeah. And, and that's like a really important debate that's going on right now uh, there's definitely like two sides to that story. Right. Is uh, do we keep going with what we're doing with salmon because it's already established? Do we look at new species? Do we look at kelp? Like what do we right. do from here? I've you also, know? and I don't want, I'm not trying to be controversial to anybody out there that's listening, but uh, I've also heard um, or read rather, and I don't know if it's dubious or whatever, but I can see some merit in it. But I've heard uh, some people saying that farming seaweed in the future is actually going to help us uh, reduce climate change um partially just in the fact that uh literally the surface of the ocean uh, you know which is reflective and and mm -hmm. what have you if you have the seaweed beds or the seaweed um just below the surface it's actually going to diffuse and reflect some of that that sunlight that we're getting in it can bring us down by two degrees they said if okay. what properly used yeah i haven't seen that recently no i haven't it seen it either good. and like i said yeah. I, I hesitated to throw that in there but you know yeah it's just one of those think, thing things that i'm going to look into more now now that you've got me thinking seaweed yeah i think the one that's really up for debate debate with um kelp right now is how much it helps um sequester carbon right stores so like you know like you have your trees which are mm -hmm. big carbon stores and they stay there right when they die they fall over they kind of get buried your carbon stays in the ground right with kelp it's like a little uncertain what happens like does it do the leaves break off mm -hmm. and then like end up in deep water where they sit in the sediment and break down and they stay in the sediment and then you create a carbon store right or does it just keep getting recycled through that food chain 
Right. I don't know. No right. one really knows. But right. in my opinion, mm-hmm. I think we've lost these massive forests of kelp. Right. You know? Like, there used to be a lot more kelp in the past. Mm-hmm. If you bring that back, you're bringing back a carbon store. Right. So, like, in some ways, I think that it's got to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. It might not be as beneficial as what one would hope. Right. But I think, you know, but like, starting off with some right. kind of benefit is exactly. always good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. You're, you're, you're moving towards the right direction, whether it's the solution or just part of the solution. It's still part Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the really interesting thing is you're starting from, like, a bottom-up effect. So you're mm-hmm. fixing something at the bottom, and hopefully as things move up the food chain, right. you'll have more of a benefit up the food chain as well. Right. So you'll you'll increase habitat for those smaller things that like the bigger fish eat and then the bigger fish eat the bigger fish and right. et cetera, et cetera. So if you help that kelp habitat, you might help other habitats and other like right. groups of animals by just planting kelp. Interesting. It's yeah. a whole circle of life, eh? Yeah. <laughs> circle of life. Yeah. yeah. And as we obviously, as more industry moves towards it and more people take, start recognizing what it's capable of, uh, even though it's being harvested, you'll start to see a lot more planted just because, or, or encouraged growths just because now there's a monetary value to it and people are going to yeah. be, oh, well, let's get some more in there. Let's get it going, you know? Yeah. Well, I think people will also look at it like uh, one of those um, carbon stores, uh, carbon credit kind of things. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can buy your carbon credits and someone will outplant kelp. Right. And it'll create part of a kelp forest or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there might be some kind of interest there. Right. I'm not really sure. Fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Well, this has been extremely informative. I, uh, I'm very, I've learned a lot and there's a lot that I'm now going to go read up on. <laughs> I'm getting a little hungry myself, actually, yeah. too, which is, I think the first time I've ever gotten hungry is thinking about seaweed. But... I, I've got some nori sheets over, we the can other, just start, over there. Oh, we so, nibble on those. We should be nibbling on those right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I feel like it's one of those things that's going to start creeping onto menus in the near future. Like a lot more places are going to yeah. start embracing it and start yeah, using absolutely. it a lot more places. I mean, it's basically, yeah, as you're saying, it's that... Uh, availability and being able to once it's in the market and traveling and you're seeing things in the market going a little crazy right now and things we used to get are disappearing and yeah harder to get your hands on and the prices are going up and up and so you know having something that's right outside our door yeah, yeah. and generally generally speaking menus reflect uh products that people can or that the restaurant or the chef can get on a continual reliable basis and as soon as that supply chains there where it's continual and reliable you definitely will see that start to be more prominent on menus i'm sure i really wanted to do a fresh seaweed salad like yeah. just yeah nice blanched and nice yeah. julienne salad and just some fresh fresh ingredients in there and it was yeah it was a tough one of where do i get the product from? right and yeah. it was like well we can get it in once a week yeah yeah and i'm That's like well i'm open enough. seven days a week yeah. <laughs> yeah i think like the interesting thing will be in like a year or two when they really get that processing part down and yeah it'll be a more consistent like yeah I, supply that's great i look forward to yeah. it yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming in and chatting yeah, no with problem. us today. Anytime. That was great. And um, we'll definitely keep in touch because I know we want to find out more where this goes and, and you can tell us where you're going with the, with the project. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That sounds great. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Logan. 
And that wraps up another episode of the Edible Valley podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And a special thanks goes to the local businesses that help support our podcast. They make it possible for us to showcase your local food community. We'd love you to follow us on your preferred social media at Edible Valley, where you can check out our blog, find recipes and tips, behind the scenes, and of course, keep a lookout for where we are going to turn up next in your Edible Valley. that's perfect just like that yeah awesome yeah and this has been an edible valley production yeah beep 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 beep. (laughs) okay ready again